0: To Three Beers and a Movie.
1: Nice.
0: Hello and welcome to episode 80 of Three Beers and a Movie. I am Richard Laird and I'm with Barry Neil. And welcome to the first episode of 2019. <laughs> Close. That was that was you fighting with your I was. It's, it's like you're filling in anything at work and you're putting the date down you have that intensity to try and write the eight and you're like, nope, 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 nope. You must stop before you write the eight. And I'll probably, you, as everybody else will, we'll probably both do that for the next, what, three months. Until you eventually figure out that it is 2019, not 2018. Well, due to the nature of my job, I'm in a strange vortex where a lot of the paperwork that I see has dates as 2018 written on it. Oh yeah, true. Which is, which is
1: quite confusing yeah.
0: sometimes. <laughs> yeah. But there will be
1: a transitional period where all of a sudden it will just change.
0: <laughs> yeah. So this is 2019. So this is essentially this is this is the future, man. This, this, this feels like if you watch all the movies I watched when I was a kid, are all set in like 2019. It's very odd to be living in 2019.
1: Yeah, we, as I discussed with you the other day, we should be dressing like the characters out of the first Blade Runner uh, movie, so because that
0: was set in January 2019. Yeah, well, we're nowhere near that. Thankfully, we're nowhere near that, because some of the fashion in that show, apart from Deckard's coat, which is pretty awesome, everything else is pretty horrendous looking. It's that kind of weird proto-punk, sort of like 80s punk style, wasn't it? Ah, it's that kind of... Cyberpunk, cyberpunk. yes or... it was, yes. Which is, we can all agree. Steampunk is, is manageable, but cyberpunk is horrendous. Uh, yeah, yeah, I don't know. You've
1: been steampunk to a certain degree.
0: I'm like, uh, I do like a set of goggles though. Yeah, yeah. I think that's about
1: the highlight of the uh,
0: whole thing. Yeah, goggles and some sort of like flight jacket. They look quite badass. You know, those yeah, like, yeah. sort of like sort of like an old army or um, World War Two style like bomber jacket. Oh yeah, I could totally rock one of those. Yeah, they they look pretty badass. Um, but we're doing this at home again tonight because we're still in that sort of like festive bubble where no one's really sure what day it is, what time it is, and we're all it all a little bit mixed up. Hopefully, as of next week, we'll start getting back to recording at the the Raven. Okay. Yes. I um, love home that we are deeply missing. We them. are deeply missing them. Yes, we are. Um, so, are you drinking anything tonight? Uh, no, just a glass of water. That's tonight. Very nice. Well, I'm I'm also on the lemonade, but I did have a couple of drinks earlier on today with a friend. Um, I was drinking something called Lawless Village IPA, which is from Belfield Brewery in Edinburgh, which um, okay. I, it's, it's amazingly a gluten-free beer. Uh-huh. So normally I'm quite against the gluten-free stuff because I, I realise that gluten is what makes things taste good. Because <laughs> um, I've tried gluten-free bread and things like that, and every time I eat them yeah. I'm, I'm just going, that's shit, that tastes like crap. I, I like—I realise I really like gluten. But the gluten-free beer actually was quite nice. Yeah, I find like...
1: You know, people eat and drink gluten-free stuff purely because it's on, on health reasons. Yeah. The only thing that I eat that's gluten-free that I would recommend is the macaroons. Okay. Getting the gluten-free aisles, they are absolutely delicious. Yeah. And I'm not joking when I say you can easily scoff a whole pack
0: of them. You are a man who loves a macaroon. Um, I do. But yeah, uh, um, I was surprised how much I liked the gluten free beer. And maybe it's I've not tried enough of them to know if this is this was, like the one that's the only one that's good or if they're all pretty tasty. But yeah, so Lawless Village IPA from Belfield Brewery, it's a very nice gluten free IPA. I, I very much enjoyed it tonight. So I I've had a couple of drinks, so I'm I'm not quite three beers in a movie drunk, but I've definitely had a, a couple. I've got a beer here, and I'm going to ask you if you've drank it. I'm All right, try, before. try. Because uh, I haven't actually kept it open yet. It's mm. called The Ridge by Harvest. I'm, I'm aware oh. of Harvesting. I know Harvesting Brewery, they've, they've done a few things I quite like, but um, no, I've not tried The Ridge. Are you going to try it some point soon? Yeah, I think I'm going to... I'll maybe crack
1: it open tomorrow. I just wanted to run it by you, see if you had tried it. It's I, just ha- that, it's, I don't think it's going to be anything... Too crazy because it's just a simple pale ale that's
0: five percent. Yeah, nothing. There's nothing wrong with a wee simple pale ale though at five percent. You know, that's, that's, you can actually, you can quite enjoy them. You can get nice wee, nice wee enjoyment out of drinking those. Aye, uh, aye. Uh, I, I picked it up the other week and I've just not got around to actually drinking it yet. You can, sir. you can have that next time you climb a mountain. Yes. Yes. Well, well, the frustrating thing was I had actually taken your beer to the
1: top of uh, Ben Lomond to celebrate my first moon row, and then. The weather was just too sketchy to be up there any longer than the five minutes quick
0: yeah. pictures turn around and go back and and <laughs> Certainly not it's certainly not be boozing at the top of the hill as well. That seems dangerous in the fog. <laughs> um, but yeah, so we'll on to it. So like I said, it's a festive period, so we're all kinda of watching stuff everywhere and anywhere. Have you been watching anything at home of interest? Apart from the stuff we're gonna discuss much later on. Uh, anything of interest? Uh, pass your pass your eyes. Um, the only thing I've really
1: been watching it kind of on and off in the last like a kind of week or so was uh, season four
0: of Brooklyn Nine Nine, which I've just finished tonight. Brooklyn Nine Nine, probably the best comedy currently on television, I would say. Yes, well, I've been watching it all on Netflix, so yeah. I, I don't know who's even showing it. Is it Channel Four or what? Channel they it, it got cancelled, then it got put it back on. So I think Channel Four or E Four, sorry, has it. I don't know. I don't know when they're going to show the new series. The new series coming out in America. I think in the uh, next week, maybe next month or so, but it's very—it's coming up very recently because there's a great trailer for season, I want to say five or six, but the most, the newest season, there's a brilliant, like, die-hard-esque trailer for it. Oh, um, nice. So how have we look for it? But yeah, Brooklyn Nine-Nine, it's set in a police de- um, department, and it's basically just the, all the idiots in the department doing what idiots in departments do. They're all, they're, maybe maybe it's half a dozen characters, you note know that you get to learn and get to understand. And it's just, yeah. it's, a, it's just a really smartly written, well-done comedy. Where yeah, and, and it's just light-hearted, like, light TV. You don't even... It doesn't take much, like, uh, concentration. A lot of the
1: episodes are all kind of self-contained yep. uh, episodes, so with, like, an overarching theme. So, yeah, yeah it's...
0: I'd certainly recommend it to anyone that's looking for maybe something just to stick on for half an hour while you're having your dinner. or uh, whatever. It can be very clever. though. Have you've not seen the one they do, it's all in one room. When it's just um, Peralta and the chief, then it's basically just them in one room talking, doing a, a suspect interrogation. Um, I probably have. I mean, I think maybe maybe it's like, maybe it's the, fight of the season you've not seen yet, but it's a, it's just it's literally it's all the comedy comes from these two guys in one room, and it's you know. To have the confidence and belief you can do that in one room is absolutely amazing, and it's it totally works and pulls off so well. Oh, nice! Yeah, so nice. It's, if you get a chance to, you know, who get a chance to watch Brooklyn Nine Nine, I cannot recommend it highly enough. It's probably it is by far the smartest and most, and funniest comedy um, on TV's now. I would def- I rate read, it read above everything else I watch. I, I, I make real time for, for Brooklyn Nine Nine. Nice. Yes. Yeah. Um, myself, I can tell you, I've been watching. Well I finished watching a series of unfortunate events from Lemony Snicket, which is showing on Netflix just now. It was season three of that. Um which is obviously it's based on the, the well known children's books. Um also the movie of it maybe about ten years ago, fifteen years ago now, um with Jim Kay. This is a sort of different take on it. So still should follow following the books, but kind of maybe a darker take on it and um it stars Neil Patrick Harris, he plays Lemony Snicket and it has a host of sort of really interesting kind of Quite big name guest stars in it, um, but yeah. So but season three was the final season of it, and it essentially follows the three siblings, whose parents are killed in a fire, and they're shipped off to a series of sort of step parents or adopted parents who are getting pursued at the same time by someone who is trying to steal their fortune from them in varying okay. interesting ways. And from that, they try to discover who their parents were. You know, did they belong to some secret society? You don't really know, so it just sort of all unfolds like that over over the course of three seasons. And I got to say, I thought it was the full three seasons, absolutely fantastic entertainment. It is a great, okay. great family watch. It's every like every book gets two episodes, which is absolutely plenty of time to to watch it. So that's um, so the first season's eight episodes, second season's eight, and the final season's seven. So every book gets two episodes, and then the final season gets the three three final books plus a kind of finale wrap up episode. So never overstay this welcome, all three seasons pull up, you know, just they move at nice pace, they don't try and throw any sort of like extra stuff in there just to try and and pad it out everything in it seems like it needs to be there. There's a few episodes that are only 35 minutes long, you know, it's usually about 50 minutes long, 45 to 50, but a couple of times we go to 35 because realise the story only demands 35 minutes and there's something really to be said for that, that they know when that you know less is more. And that's because we've obviously said some of the problems with Netflix are that they, they overstay their welcome with a lot of shows. This really doesn't. It's, it's it's a well done, well crafted, very funny, darkly comic. At times a little bit scary, so maybe you know, if you young kids maybe not keep maybe not let them watch it, but any kind of you know, maybe like nine, like eight, nine, ten will will really lap it up. And it gives you a really great appreciation for the books as well. So I would, if you can get a chance to watch it absolutely recommend it it's all finished now so the three seasons once you've finished them that's it done and it's it's great entertainment alright cool yeah. um, no, I'll need to check it out it's, uh,
1: to be honest I'm kind of in that horrible middle ground now where I am in the hunt for
0: something new to watch yeah like I said for three seasons you're only talking eight, 16, 25, 23 episodes nice you know nice. and once you've done it you can, you're left happy with it and it gives me real great hope that if they do something, because I know they're adapting a lot of uh, Netflix is adapting a lot of the old down books over the next year or so. That's sort of one of the next big projects. Mm-hmm. If they do it in a similar style to what they've done with um, series of unfortunate events, I think uh, there's real potential to actually give them real, you know, to do that something really special with them, and again, to not overstay the welcome with it and actually make us a, a nicely crafted, well done show. Cool.
1: That's yeah.
0: Good to hear. Yeah. So. The
1: future of like Netflix doing things—if
0: yeah. this is like—if uh, this is the way they're going to go with it. yeah definitely. I mean, hopefully, they do. I mean, every, i think every show is a different sort of way they're running each and every show. But I think this should most definitely be their template for the, the future shows because, um, like I said, we've, we've watched enough of them to know they do tend to overstay the welcome a little bit. Yes. yes. Yeah. Um Final thing I watched at home that sort of interest to quite quite a lot of people actually was a film called Bandersnatch. Okay. which is a Black Mirror movie. Oh, yes, yes. Um, now, it's quite unique because it was, it was an interactive movie where, like, sort of, as the movie progresses, you pick a series of, you know, there's decisions to be made. You've got to uh, decide what you want to do, much in line with the sort of choose-own-adventure your own adventure stories mm-hmm. or if you've played recently sort of the Telltale games that come out, you know, the Walking Dead one and the Game of Thrones one and, the, you know, these sort of decision-based games, that you know, depending on what you decide during the game. That'll influence the story. Um, And um, the story is essentially about a young guy who's invented a game not dissimilar to that, and it's him trying to get the game made. Now, depending if the game gets made quickly, not so quickly, or does well, his life sort of unfolds from that as he begins to realise maybe that his life, he's sort of in a dystopian reality where people are actually watching him. um, And they can be influencing him and he's not really aware of it or becomes aware of it. Um, What did you think of it overall?
1: Uh Ed, I said, I said the other day that I think I would have preferred that if it didn't have the interactive element. See right. if it was just a bog
0: standard, um, like Black Mirror uh, episode, extended Black Mirror yeah. episode, yeah, yeah, a ninety-minute Black
1: uh, Black Mirror episode. I think it would have worked a lot better because I think when we us two were talking, we both ended up with completely different. Endings and that, and yep. um, for me, a lot of the choices when they came up, it kind of just took you way out of the kind of movie, you know. Because also, it's kind of set in the eighties, and it does do a good job for kind setting the tone and setting the look and all that. But anytime you had to make a choice, I was just about like, "Ugh, yeah." Just because just... y- you had to always be paying attention, because you wouldn't get any notice that were coming up; it would just flash up. Yeah, I mean so that
0: yeah if, you, if you're lucky I was, playing, I was watching it on an, um, a Playstation so your control would vibrate ah ok so ok you,
1: unfortunately, unfortunately if you were watching it on the TV or whatever like you, it would just appear uh-huh. and then all of a sudden you'd have to make this like decision within like I don't know like 20
0: seconds no 10 seconds 10 seconds it was oh or
1: oh, was it
0: oh, that's even even it was then yeah yeah I mean I, I found that the, the novelty of it wore thin very quickly yes um, and I kinda got a bit bored of it very quickly as well. Um yeah, and mostly like you are I would have liked if it just had a single narrative and it shown it. I mean I don't think I don't think this is the future of film or anything. I don't think it's gonna be something that's gonna be widespread. It was an interesting experiment and I think the Black Mirror World is a good place to do that experiment because they do obviously engage in a lot of this stuff, you know, this kind of idea of, you know, how you engage with media, what media can do for people. Um Yeah, but it's almost like um, it's almost like
1: uh, what was that? don't mind it as much when it's in the Black Mirror yeah. universe. Um, but I think what what frustrated me the most about it was when like, your story
0: would come to an end because you had made certain choices and then it would just start going back. Yeah, if you would, and then if, it would it would show you your choices right up to the kind of bit where you made the like the wrong choice. Yeah, almost like a save would, point essentially. Yeah, that
1: that kind of frustrated me yeah. a bit because I was just kept on going back a lot, and I'm
0: like,
1: uh, so I th- I think I need to find someone who's done the optimum route to get the fully fledged story, you know?
0: Yeah, well I saw I watched it a few times through, and I I, I worked away around a few of the stories. I saw I think four or five endings of it. Neither there wasn't meant there wasn't really one that I thought was a really deeply satisfying, and I thought that that's a great ending. They're all kind of very... Some were better than others, without question. But, um, yeah, nothing really jumped Jumping, going, oh, that's a fantastic way to end that show. You know, it was, it was very... Very average ep- ending episodes, you know, and sort of... I Like you said before, interesting idea, but, to be honest, I hope it remains as a sort of a one-off novelty and doesn't become anything sort of the push to do more and more of. Yeah, uh, let's...
1: I've just quickly Googled to see... See
0: if we can try and find the release date for uh, season five. Yeah, it's definitely should... it's definitely out this year. I know that they've talked about it. they've been out this year. I believe they have filmed all of season five. So the good news is this is not season five. This is this is just sort of a, this is just a completely separate one-off. They're trying something. They to see how people take it. Um, they're, they're going to do the the full season five at some point, relatively soon. I imagine it'll drop sometime later in the year. Okay, mm. it's set. Uh, you're not a million miles away. It says here, if you have to go by this website, Digital Spy, early to mid-2019. Yeah, so, so I'm going to be talking like April, May time. Aye. Aye, Which I'm glad for,
1: because see, see if we had waited all this time, and then the hit is we banned or snatch, and then that was it. I think I would have been pretty
0: pissed. Yeah, it have been annoying, yeah. Um, yeah, so I've been watching them at home. Yeah. That's pretty much it. has been at home. We are going to talk about a few more Netflixy things later on, but these are sort of two sort of kind of ones we just kind of randomly watched. Um, the first thing we'll talk about, though, is one of the cinema releases just now, which is Chewing yeah. Up All the Money at the Box Office, a film that made your top ten of the year. Yes. Yes, and that film is Mary Poppins Returns. Yeah, you know, i did give it some love. I think it also helped the, the fact
1: that I was doing my list, my top ten list, <laughs> uh, the the night that I had actually seen it. Yeah, so fresh. Um, Yeah, yeah, so, you know, it was fresh in the mind, and I've got to give it some love, because, you know what, for being a sequel, and obviously being a Disney sequel, it, it did manage to strike the good balance of not shitting all over the lore of the previous film and the whole entire world, you know. It's actually
0: a really nice sequel. Yeah, so directed by Rob Marshall, who directed um, Chicago and also Into the Woods. They, those are two musicals, if you've seen any of them. Um, the plot of this film basically is that Mary returns to the Banks's house to help out the Banks' children. Now, who the Banks' children she's helping out is up for debate. She's looking after the young ones, um, but also looking after the grown-up versions of the, of the the from the first movie, who are struggling their own ways. You've got um, Michael, who is struggling because he's lost his wife. And he's struggling to keep his house and home together. He's and also his sister, who sort of became a bit of a sad sack a little bit because she sort of, she's taken up all the political causes, but she, but she kind of forgot about herself a little bit. You kind of feeling in that way when you're watching her. Yeah, yeah. Um, Along the way, she has a a trusty friend who is this time played as, as a lamplighter. Um, and they take the kids on all sorts of adventures to discover fun frolics and to still remember who they actually were. Um, and along the way, saving the saving the day essentially. Um, in the film, you've got Emily Blunt playing Mary. Um, Lin-Manuel Miranda is playing the Lamplighter, whose name I cannot remember, but he is playing the Lamplighter. You, I
1: will just say yeah. his name
0: is... Uh, Jack. Jack the Lamplighter, yep. Yeah. You've, you've got Ben Whishaw, the voice of Paddington, playing George Banks. Is it Michael or George? Michael. Michael Banks. He's playing Michael Banks. You've got Emily Mortimer playing the young, uh, the, the sister, whose name I can't remember. Jane. Jane, yeah, Jane and Michael Banks. Uh, you get Colin Firth playing, I mean, if anyone doesn't know he's a baddie in the film in the first two minutes, and there was something wrong with him. He is the baddie of the movie. Uh, but, but not. he's not an out-and-out baddie, I don't think. He's just a kind of douche. Uh, you also get Meryl yeah. Street propping up in it, um, playing a, a crazy auntie. And you also, which to much everyone's delight, you have Dick Van Dyke turning up in it for probably the best five minutes of the cinema this year. Um, so, so what do you think overall? What, what, what do you what, what, what do you think? I liked it. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure yet about the songs in it.
1: If I, I don't know if it's because the the original one's been around for so long yeah. that the songs are just inevitably stuck in your head because you've probably seen it for most of your childhood.
0: Exactly, you cannot so, judge the songs in this right now because, like I said, this song, this film been out for like a, a month whereas Mary Poppins has been out for 50 years. Yeah. You know, so there's songs something ingrained in your brain. Yeah, so that's why I feel... I think this is going to be one of those films
1: that's going to be a slow burner. You know, maybe a few Christmases on the TV and then, you know, that's when it'll really like... You know
0: it's doing really well at the box office, yep. but I feel a few years on the telly and it's going to start like really getting into the hearts of people. Oh, absolutely! And I, I people are not loving the songs right now, they're sort of they're a bit sort of negative on the song because they aren't the, the classics of the original. Which again, 50 years of constant playing yeah. will put those songs in your head. I like the songs, yes. just, I liked. I really enjoyed the Royal Dalton Bowl one, I thought that was a cracking song. Um, uh, I love the one that they in the music hall, the one, um, the. The cover is not the book.
1: Yes, I like that one as well because yeah. I genuinely thought, Stephen, I was watching it, I was like, this would be so easy to turn this one into, a, into an actual stage production.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, and I just think it shows that Mary, I've always thought Mary's a bit of a dirty dark side, and I think that song, Crew, has got that. Um, yeah, yeah. And also, I really like the one that the Jack the Lamplighter sings um, Tripping the Light Fantastic. His big sort of solo number he sings, so maybe towards the end of the film, I thought that was cracking as well. Um, so yeah, I actually really dug the songs. I really liked um, all the cast. I thought Emily Blunt was a great Mary Poppins. Absolutely, she
1: absolutely played
0: it perfectly. Yep, I thought, um, and a bit, people have been a bit questionable she's not playing it the same way as Julie Andrews, but if you read the books, Julie Andrews' plays are a lot sweeter than she should be. This is a lot more towards what the book version of Mary Poppins is. She's a lot darker than a character. So oh, okay. Emily Blunt's take a lot more inspiration from the, the original book rather than from this Julie Andrews role, which I think you've got to do. You, you can't just copy Julie Andrews; you've got to bring something nah, of yourself her,
1: exactly to the role. The, exactly, Because then people will just absolutely slaughter you for not living up to the original and all that, you know. And so yeah, to ex- go off into your own kind of take on it is absolutely fine in my eyes. Yeah, totally. And
0: I think also when you're watching it, it still feels very much like the Mary from the first one. Like the, You can still see that's the same character. I don't think there's any doubt in that. It's just it's maybe a, a slightly older version of that Mary character. Maybe it's just a slightly different take on it, but it still feels like it belongs in the same world. Yes. How uh, did you find
1: the animation? Because obviously like, we're so used to the the greatness sort of
0: pixar and dreamworks and that how did you feel going back to the got kind of older <clears> style of animation did you like it i loved it because it felt like it belonged in that world it felt like you're used to it that you expect that from the mary poppins world so to, if you use something ramped out with some like sort of perfect cgi you feel a little bit sort of like oh this is this feels wrong it feels different it doesn't feel right whereas doing it the way it was in the original it felt like it should be, it should be like that and i actually really dug it i thought it was excellent yeah, it was good to see the penguins making a return as well. Yes, we all like the penguins. Um, I like the um, was it? I, I, like, I just like the whole bowl scene. I thought it was really cracking. I, like, I really enjoyed that whole bit in the film. Thought it felt very much like a real proper family-friendly film, and like those, like basically from the moment she turns up when they're going for the bath, you know, when they just, from that point until about the end of the Dalton Bowl scene, it felt like a really proper fun fun kids film you know it felt like a real good family movie that everyone could get involved in there was some moments of darkness in it you know with the stuff with the father dealing with the wife um, you know passing away um, and you see a little bit of darkness in, the, in Mary's sort of character a little bit when she sort of reacts to a few things but overall I thought, I thought it was absolutely brilliant I know I absolutely dug it as well and it, it was
1: good that it had that kind of element in it as well when it did deal with like kind of sadness and stuff, you know. And it's it's nice that there's a lot more kinda of, you know, kinda of younger younger rated movies nowadays, kind of dealing with that kinda of subject matter and not kinda of shying away from it.
0: No, it brings a depth. it brings a depth to it, it makes you understand the world you're in because like you got to understand why is Michael like the way he is and it's always like whatever's happened in Michael's life has is, is happened very recently. So, yeah. you need to have a reason for... like In the first one, is, there's a reason for Mary turning up. So, you need to have a reason in this one why Mary would come back again, and this is a perfect reason. She's there not only to help him out with the kids, she's there to help him, you know, come to terms with what's happened in his life. Um, I know... I would have liked to have seen a little bit more of uh, Jane Banksy's story. Agreed. That's, that's, yeah, I agree with you, dude. I think, I think that's one of the negatives of the film that it really didn't give much credence to the, to the to the to Emily Mortimer. She didn't really have much to do at all in the film. Yeah, she was really just a kind of sight to, to kind
1: the box of uh, what was happening in the first movie. But it, that's my that's my really my only true negative vibe towards this movie is that like there wasn't enough of her like kind of
0: you know, what is she up to when she's not hanging out at the, uh, like Michael's house with Aye. the kids? Yeah, no, I totally. know I agree totally. I'm absolutely with you. I think it was the only sort of small negative in the film all the way through it. Um, mm. I, I, I 100% agree with you. Can we get to the main point of the film? What do you think of Dick Van Dyke's cameo? Oh, I thought that was brilliant. Yeah.
1: Absolutely
0: brilliant. Absolutely, it's just magnificent. Just The man can. The man is like 95, I think, or something like that, and he can still dance like that.
1: Yeah, to, put, to pull off that kind of uh, dance routine top of the table and stuff was just absolutely
0: phenomenal. Yeah. You know, and just like the little subtle touches like having like the red flower in yeah. the suit and the and the bit of the suit as well was just absolutely perfect for me. It yeah. really just it really just captured the magic from the first movie. Yeah, absolutely. Great. Apparently they gave them like they, they, they choreographed like four or five dance routines sort of like everyone, the really easy one up to the one he done in the 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 film which is part of the hardest one to do and he insisted okay. and he insisted on doing the the hardest one because he said he can still do it nice and he nice. and he did nail it absolutely 100% cool yeah. that's awesome yeah so what, out of 10 what are you going to give it oh, it's-
1: Eight out of ten for me,
0: absolutely hand down. Eight out of ten. I agree, hundred percent. Eight out of ten as well. Absolutely, just a great, fun family film. Maybe not quite as good as the original, but still very close and very enjoyable. Yeah,
1: aye, um, aye. Maybe over time, like maybe over the few years, it could slowly creep up to yeah. be a nine out of
0: ten. But definitely, yeah. be, definitely be a great double watch. Mary Poppins fall by Mary Poppins returns. It'd be, it'd be a great kind of double, double, double feature. Yeah, that would be good. I'm surprised. I don't know. Maybe next Christmas we'll maybe get the double header from the cinemas. That would be nice. I'd definitely go and watch that. Um, so yeah, so on to the next film, which is a Netflix release. I think it got a small cinematic release right. in a few places, and that film is Bird Box, directed by Susanna Beer, who directed Serena, Sire- Sire- the one with um, Bradley Whit- not Bradley, Whitford, Bradley Cooper and Um, Hunger Games girl whose name I can't forget whose name I forget right now Uh, Jennifer Lawrence Jennifer Lawrence and she also directed The Night Manager as well um, the TV show that was massive a couple of years ago the one with um, uh, Tom Hiddleston okay Um, so the plot of this film essentially is that there is a a presence a monster something something in the world that basically if you see it you will proceed to kill yourself um, the world is sort of basically, it's, it's, the, the, the world has come to terms with this idea that this is this is happening. So, people who are left in the world, who are voicing it the first time are forced to basically, if they ever go outside, they have to blindfold themselves in order to not see this damage. They have to neg- navigate the world essentially blindfolded to make sure they don't ever see the, the demon or creature, whatever it happens to be, that's going to, you know, that will cause them to kill each other, or kill themselves, sorry. Um, oh. In the film, you've got Sandra Bullock. Who is yep. uh, she's in the film? She's trying to na- navigate the world to try and get two young children from up to a, to a place of what she thinks will hopefully will be will be safety. Um, you've also got alongside her uh, Travanti Rhodes, um, who who is in Moonlight and Predator. Okay, uh, he yep. turns up in this as well. You've got John Malkovich, um, who plays basically end of the world crazy. John yeah, he plays John Malkovich, end of the world crazy person. You got Sarah Paulson as well. She plays the sister who is only in it very briefly at the start, but I like Sarah Paulson. And also Danielle McDonald, who plays another survivor who you see sort of is only in it quite briefly, but plays quite an important role in it. Mm-hmm. She's a, she's the one who's pregnant, so she she plays quite yes. a, she plays quite a big role, and she'll be mentioned later on in the epi- in this episode as well. Um, oh, yeah. What did you think of this one? I liked
1: this movie for the most part. Um the kinda of ending just I was I was kinda of sitting there just like, what the hell is going on now? Well, it kinda of just I really I really enjoyed like I don't know, maybe like the first hour yeah. of this movie. I thought it was absolutely solid and then the second hour just seemed to kinda of start losing itself. Like it just kinda of, it seemed to just don't know where it was going. Yeah. I found. Like you do I I I don't know about you but I noticed it. I don't know if it was because you had previously told me that uh, you found the cat ending just to be a bit kind of like, just all over the place, but I don't know if that was because I was maybe watching for it, but I certainly noticed there was a change in the movie. Like I noticed there was a certain kind of degree. In the first bit of the movie, it was good. Yeah. In the second half of the movie, I was a bit like, this is a bit lackluster, and it could really have done with just trimming some of it off and just getting to the point.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, it was at least 20 minutes too long. Right. Um and you, you definitely lost about twenty minutes of the film. I thought the premise was quite interesting, but it yes. they never really fully explore it or explain it. Um no, and with that even within that film, the rules change over what happens, you know, like why is it if you if you see this thing you kill yourself, but if you kinda of half glimpse it through a a blindfold, you don't kill yourself and it can't get through doors. If you're inside you're okay, but if you're outside you're not. It just it felt like it was very Yeah. It, it, it was very uh, hard and loose with Lucifer's rules and you have people turn up in the film who don't need the blindfolds but never really explains why they don't need the blindfolds. Yeah, they're
1: just mentally
0: ill uh, so it's completely fine for them to see it and not be affected uh, by it. it. That, seemed to, that seemed to be not really explained very well. The, what uh, I will say about this film is the shadow of A Quiet Place looms very large on this film. Yes. So, yes. Obviously, we both loved the Quiet Place. Um, it was one of our top films of 20... Uh, 2018 um, came second in our poll but I thought The Quiet Place showed a lot more confidence Italy its rules out probably the first five minutes of that film of what you can do which is basically do not make a fucking noise if you make a noise you are dead this film doesn't do that and and because of that the confidence in its own premise seems to lack for good chunks of it that's why it's got to do the whole jumping back and forth in time to try and almost fill the story out and explain things because it, it becomes too wishy-washy as to what you can do and what you can see and what, what the actual rules are. Whereas A Quiet Place, the rules were laid out straight off. Like you knew the rules, everyone watching the film knew exactly what the people can and can't do. And because of that, it held up a lot stronger and you could get into this sort of the drama of the situation so much easier. Yeah, I just...
1: And also... That, if, if we're going to start comparing it to The Quiet Place, in this movie... I felt a lot of the time the people weren't actually in any sort of, like, in heavy danger. Yeah. You know, if we're going to start comparing it to, like, The Quiet Place, where you felt, even though they were in a house, and you would think most people think about their house as, kind like a safe environment, even when they were there,
0: they still couldn't make any noise because it wasn't safe. Exactly. So. Like, exactly. The whole world is just a danger. There's, there's, nowhere they, there's absolutely nowhere they can go to be to be safe
1: but this place it just kind of felt like you know if you just shut the blinds and have a pint and wait for it all to blow over it's completely fine
0: yeah it does it does have that kind of vibe to it um, yeah. the, the this film has been seen apparently by like, something like 48 million people on Netflix so massive viewing figures apparently I think you can put it down to one thing and I think that is the fact that people love Sandra Bullock all right all yeah right. Yeah, well, she was a strong lead in it. I'm not going to deny it. It's like she certainly set the tone of uh, a kind of jaded
1: uh, kind of mother who yeah. suddenly finds herself being in this situation, the kind of end-of-the-world kind of scenario. Yeah. You know, she so played it well. I think
0: I think she has got, like, pulling power in terms of an audience. It's a bit like, you know, people go and see a Denzel Washington film just because Denzel, Denzel is in it. People watch yeah. a Sandra Bullock film just because Sandra Bullock's in it. She has, she has that level of power. Um, I, I, but yeah, so out of ten, what do you think of it? Uh, um, see, I have to, I have to think about. Am I going to be rushing back to go and see it anytime soon? My answer is no. I will not be.
1: No, either, am I. I'm i going low with this one. I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say five
0: out of ten. I'm slightly better on it. I'm six and a half out of ten. I thought there was the premise was nice. Some yeah. of the stuff worked, but just. Like I said, the shadow of Quiet Place looms very large. And apparently, this is based on a book um, that was out, okay. bef- yeah, bu- out before the Quiet Place. And apparently, the book ends in a much better way, uh, in a much okay. darker way as well, which I've heard. So maybe they should maybe should have went more for the the book ending. Yeah. Yeah. I did. Uh, I did like um, Joe Malkovich. He's a bit sto- uh, kind of character in it, and I yeah. did like the fact how
1: he even brought up the cat kind of Devil's Advocate. But, yeah. Uh, this isn't really a spoiler because it's not ruining anything, but when they're at the supermarket yeah. and he's in the drink aisle uh-huh. and he's having a good few drinks and then he starts making that speech uh-huh. and I'm just like, yes, you know fine well
0: there's, there's going to be someone at the end of the world standing there going, we really don't need to go back for those folks. We, uh-huh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. we can live it out here, we've everything here. Yeah, totally. Um, yep. but yeah, so Like I said, it's I think we we'll both agree it, it has its moments in the film but overall, it's a bit of a... It's not quite what you want it to be. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I'm kind of I'm intrigued though to actually go and try and find the book and find out the, what is the better ending. Yeah, no, I think from what I've heard there about the, the book, is a much better ending. Cool. Okay. cool. If you want to know, I'll tell you, I'll tell you off recording. Okay? Okay, cool. Um, so, third film is a film, again, on Netflix. It released a few... I think about a month or so ago. Um, uh-huh. And it's a film called Dumpling. Right. Directed by Anne Fletcher. Um, who directed twenty-seven dresses? The proposal, um, hot pursuit. that was out a, a year or so ago, so very much in that guise of sort of films for ladies. If that if that's not too sexy to sound, it's films for women. It's sort of it had a specific audience that it's aiming itself at. It's sort of that kind of younger audience, maybe like uh, m- uh, mid twenties. This, this was definitely not on my radar at all. Excuse me. <coughs>
1: Excuse me. Oh. Uh, to the point where I had to go and actually search it because yeah. it wasn't appearing any from on my Netflix,
0: so yeah. if, if this ruins my algorithm, I'm blaming you. <laughs> okay. Um, so the plot of this film is essentially there's a, uh, a young girl who is living in a uh, Texas town. Um, her mother was a former beauty queen. She's definitely not the beauty, the, the traditional beauty queen look. Um, no. And basically, as a political statement, she enters into the, 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 the beauty contest to try and prove something to her mother. And force them to challenge who she thinks she is and who and the relationship between the two of them um, along the way she meets some friends who do the same they're all sort of alternative as well and they're all doing it for their own various reasons and it's just sort of like this one person challenging the social norms of, yes. of society in um, the film you've got an actress who I'm really beginning to like called Danielle MacDonald who let's say, was in was in um, a bug box I know her best from in a film called Patty Cake that was out okay, yeah. uh, last year which I absolutely adored um, she was in, uh, also you've got Jennifer Aniston, who plays the mother. You've got Odea Rush from Goosebumps, and also she was in Ladybird, who plays uh, the best, one of the friends, uh, or the best friend, actually. And you've got Maddie Bailey, who plays the other sort of chunkier, chubby girl, who's doing it as, yeah. as well as she wants to do it, who's sort of inspired by Daniel uh, Danielle McDonald's character. Um, the reason why it's called Dumpling is because that is what Jennifer Aniston, the mother calls her daughter all the way through the film. Yes, and there everything... seems to be a nickname that's been there since like, she was essentially born. Yeah, but it's a horrible nickname. No, yeah, it's horrible, it's, especially when like, you see the two of them standing next to each other. Uh, that, even the film itself makes a joke about it uh, as well. Um, again, this is based on a book. Um, what do you think of it? I said, this was definitely... I'm not the demographic for this movie. Fair enough, fair enough. I do, I do accept that, yes. I don't like... I understand what the movie's trying to say. I okay. just don't like
1: the fact that this is where we're at nowadays, where, we're, where we make it completely socially acceptable to be overweight right, and okay. in the unhealthy bracket. Right. You know? Is there, is there a point? i a like, like, I get what they're trying to say, that even ugly ducklings and all that can have their little moment in the, in the stars. I get that, and it's nice that they, they portray that all the way through the film. I just don't like the fact that this isn't someone that's, like, ugly, essentially. She's just on the larger side of things, and then our other part that enters is large as well, so I'm just a bit like... We really shouldn't be encouraging people to think that it's socially okay to be like overweight and potentially be unhealthy.
0: But it's not. It's not just saying that. It's not just saying like someone who's overweight can enter a beauty contest. It's also saying stuff like the girl who enters who's sort of the punk rock sort of. Mm. It's basically saying anyone who's not the traditional look of the beauty queen, which is you know, also the big yes. busted, thin waist, I, and sort of I, almost I. ditzy. You know, it's basically saying anyone can do it, and that's what they get across in the film. Yes, two of the characters who enter it are of the larger variety but I think it's trying to get more to the heart of like you can be who you want to be and still exist in any world you want to exist and you can kind of do what you want to do you don't have to yeah. and not only should you not be confined by the, the social norms of that place a town shouldn't continue to have its social norms that it's agreed to for so long that it's never really challenged a question because the whole film comes from the flat point that someone is challenging it you know, you could easily a substitute this and said it in the 1950s and had, let's like, say, a black person entering a competition that's not always been for white people. And it's the idea yeah. of like, someone just someone just challenging the norms and making people look at things in a different way, which I think is sort of more the point of this film rather than being the fact that the girl was fat entering a beauty contest. Yeah. I'm not going to spoil it. All I'm going to say is this, and you'll maybe agree with me as well, I did like the ending. You did
1: like it? I th- yes. Yeah. I found out... I th- I found that fitted the narrative better than, say, a more kind of traditional way of ending
0: it. No, I don't. If I don't. You kind of, if you catch my drift. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. I agree what you're saying. Yeah, the ending was I kind of saw it coming a little bit, but it definitely wasn't the way they could, I thought they could have went. They could have definitely went in a more sort of like traditional, sort of like obvious way. They did sort of put a wee twist on it, which I thought was quite nice
1: that yeah. was the bit that because all the way through the movie as it was kind of trundling on I was like okay
0: here we go this is what I'm getting into and then when the ending came along I was about like you know what uh, that, that deserves an extra bonus point in yeah. that book and, yeah. you say, and you do say trundle along it does much like Bird Box you are ER talking it was a good 20-25 minutes too long they could have cut a good chunk of, not a good chunk they could have cut some stuff out this just to make it just to make it a bit leaner a bit sleeker just to make it move a little bit quicker yeah
1: Oh, uh, definitely. The only thing that I, the only, can, I will say the only kind of true negative point I have about this movie is simply, they didn't, it didn't really, like, I know it wasn't focusing on the whole pageant group as a whole, but yep. it would have been nice to, like, even get even a snippet of what the other girls were thinking we have in these, like, renegades in the beauty pageant I'd I'd to agree. Just pure glaze
0: over that and just not acknowledge it. No, I do agree. They almost they had the friend in there who like sort of the best friend who sort of is your more yeah. traditional this is what a beauty pageant queen should look like. But she yeah. doesn't really want to do it either. She's doing it for her friends so and she's not doing it because she specifically specifically likes the girls. But yeah, it would be interesting to see the point of view of the girls doing it who are who are sort of used who are used to doing it in and, and sort of are the more expected variety. What do they think of, like, this person? Unfortunately, I think if they had put them in the film, I think they would probably put them in more as sort of just protagonist just to be sort of mean to the girls. Yeah. They'd yeah. probably have been your, your more sort of atypical, like, sort of bad girls, you know, sort of just being mean for mean's sake.
1: Mm,
0: yeah. Um, so, I, 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 in a way, in a way it's, it's nice to not have them in there a little bit because it felt too clichéd. D- and also the, the bit with the aunt,
1: um, the fact that they didn't even dive into that at all—it reminded me heavily of Barbara from uh, Stranger Things. How a major event happens and the pure just glaze over it like it nothing. Like,
0: oh, like this happened, and well, it's just like a throwaway thing. Well, I, I, it was—it's it's not throwaway. I think it does it, echoes on it throughout the whole film. But that sort of this is a very—that's a defining point in the lives of not only like um, the main character but also the, her mother as well. It's, it's sort ah. of it's something that hangs over all of them, and it's and throughout the film they're always referencing the fact that you know she knows her daughter was closer to her, her, her auntie than she was to to her. So it's definitely ah. I think something that hangs over the film all the way through, and you do get a sort of some sort of sort of tie up with it the, uh, towards the end, with where both characters get to sort of you know sort of come to terms with that to, to a great degree. But um, you could have explored it more, I guess. But no, I, I actually quite liked it. it. Just it just sort of hung in the air there for a little while, just sort of people. It's something you know has happened. We all know what's happened. You know she's yeah. passed away, and they're all having trouble dealing with this. So if you just, the fact it just stayed there and just was was nice. I thought personally, I thought the best thing about the film was the lead character, Dumpling. I thought Daniel McDonald is actually a cracking actress. I'm really looking forward to see what she does, like going for She plays a role that role really well. Yes,
1: absolutely, yeah, and absolutely.
0: It's, and then as long was, as she, as long as she doesn't fall into the camp of being
1: the the fat best friend that's always
0: there no. in that role you know this role she does a film called Patty Cakes where she plays a, a girl from New Jersey who wants to be a rapper and no one wants to take her seriously because she's basically a redneck and also she doesn't look the way a rapper should look so she, this dumpling could have easily fallen into that sort of category a little bit like she could play the, she could have played the same role but she plays him in completely different ways and in Patty Cakes she's sort of a real bitch and a badass and just sort of like just really fucking hates the world and just wants to you know, sh say "fuck you" to the world. Where I think in Dublin, she's not really like that. She seems a very sweet character. Yeah. You know, sh- she's Aye. she's not unhappy. She well, she is unhappy to a degree, but she's kind of content with herself, and she seems like she is. She would happily stay in Texas and sing Dolly Parton songs all like the long as her friends are with her. She's not. She's, yeah. she's not really. She's not angry at the world in the same way that she is in Patty Cake. So it's a definitely a similar idea, but different takes on it on, on the character. I would say which I thought was. Which is good because she could easily very much get get typecast into the the fat girl doing you know thin things essentially.
1: Mm. Yeah, um, and let's hope that she doesn't fall into that camp. No, hopefully that's not.
0: All we need. I hope she gets some more work. I really do I think she's a cracking actress, and also she's Australian as well. She she calls her accent up fantastically well. Nice. Yeah, she's. Nah, she, no, she's an Aussie. She comes from from uh, Melbourne, I think it is, and she covers everything. I would never known it until I was looking on her IMDb page. <laughs> um, but yeah, sure out, out of ten, we're gonna give it.
1: Uh, where am I going to give it like I said it's a film that I probably would never have watched in a million years unless it was for this thing <laughs> uh, but I did actually enjoy
0: it yeah. did you watch yourself? Part... did Stacy watch it with you? no no
1: I was watching it at 2 o'clock in the
0: morning Nice. <laughs>
1: <laughs> having a quiet cry to myself yeah <laughs> So. You can do it
0: dumpling yeah. <laughs> Um <laughs> I'm gonna I'm going uh, go with so I'm gonna go with solid seven out of ten. Oh solid seven, solid seven. Yeah, you know you know I'll oh,
1: fuck it, I'll join you there. Seven man.
0: out of ten as well. So, aye, because aye, it does deserve it.
1: Like I said, it is it is giving off a good message for like you know, overall it's giving off a good message and it kinda also kicks her mum back into line as well, so you know, that yeah. makes her start and if you appreciating our
0: think- daughter Put yourself in the, in the mind of the audience who so that film is more aimed at, they'll, they'll most definitely really enjoy that film. Oh, definitely. Yep. Definitely. Yep, so last film of the, today's pod is one that was released on BBC, which is very yeah. unusual for a film to get its first airing on BBC. Um, it's a film called Happy New Year, Colin Burstead, um, directed by Ben Wheatley, who did a film called um, Free Fire a couple of years ago, which um, we all loved. Um, High rise as well, Field in England is another big one he done as well. Um, that also got a BBC release. So he's he's known for doing these sort of very random releases. He wants his, get his films, he wants his films to be seen. So he'll he'll try different ways to try and get his films seen. So he, I've listened to an interview with him. He basically said, if he put us out in the cinema, it would probably be on let like, say fifty screens across the country and get seen by about you know if, if he's lucky, two thousand people. Whereas he puts it on the BBC, it's going to be on the iPlayer for the next year, right. BBC promotes it, and it could potentially get seen by millions. Yeah. You know, so, smart idea. So, he's, he's got, he's, he's got different, you know, he knows films have to, he wants film to be seen, this is the best way for his film to be seen. So, it, yeah, so you've got to applaud the the effort he's doing for the distribution of that, yeah. Try to get it out there. I think, just as you're saying that, I will
1: wholeheartedly agree that this film is better suited been watched at home I don't think I don't think this would have done nearly as well as probably all doing the iPlayer
0: if it was on the big screen I, absolutely, yeah. absolutely just because of the, the whole subject matter of the film yeah. and the way it's shot and all the rest of it it really it would get lost in a big screen almost a little bit yeah um, so the plot of the film is that Colin the, the hero of the story busted, um, rents a sort of large chateau um, somewhere Um and invites all the family to come and stay over. Family, family relations, um, sort of like in-laws, friends, f- family or friends. Everybody comes to this big house for a, a New Year's party. I think it's about other people in the film. Um, by the end of it, um, as you can imagine, you get so many people together. They all have history. They all have you know, you know, axes, and you know they want to throw each other. They all have you know things they want to bury with each other, they all have things they want to bring up with each other. And all this sort of starts to unfold over the course of ninety minutes um, in this house. Um in the film you've got, you've got a huge cast, so I don't know everybody in it. So you can Sam Riley is what's sort one of the better known actors. Charles Dance from Game of Thrones is in it. Um Sarah Baxendale who pops up in a lot of British TV, she's in it. Um Bill. Patterson, Scottish actor, who pops up in a lot of stuff, he's in it as well. And Hayley Squires, who's a, a favourite British actress of mine, she pops up in it as well. So, it, But it's a wide-ranging cast of people in this movie. Um, I, personally, am a big fan of Ben Wheatley. I, I think he's a cracking director, a cracking writer as well, and does a lot of really interesting stuff. Um, I enjoyed the hell out of this. I thought it was amazing to breathe so much life into 20 different characters and give them all their own little arc within the film... Without feeling it like being crushed or being overawed with it, it felt everybody. You knew where everyone's situation was in the film. You know who was pissed off at who. You knew who was happy with who, and you could see where where things would where, where the lines would be drawn with people. So I thought, as a feat of like sort of writing um, and directing, you know, in story structure, I thought it was an absolutely fantastic piece of work. Um, what did you think of it? Yeah, pretty much the same. I oh, was once again watching it in the early hours of the morning. I. I think I watched that after Dumpling. Right. I think. Um,
1: and, yeah, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I, uh, I liked the fact that it was all contained in this massive house. Yep. So you, you had these nicely like, of like, sweeping shots from like one room walking down a corridor into the other room. Yep. And there's a whole entire other conversation going on. Yeah. So that's what I quite liked about it as well. It
0: kinda added a nice kind of dynamic to it. Yeah. It felt like you const, like, it felt you're like constantly just dropping in on someone's conversation. Nothing seems staged yeah. or stilted. It felt like you're like you're moving from one room. You like you hear what person A and person B are saying. And then you'll yes. certainly, certainly spin off and all of a sudden you, talk, you listen to person C and D and it's like you've not heard all the conversation, but you know it relates to something that A and B were talking about as well. And then from that, you get to understand something about person E, who you won't see for the next five minutes, but you know why he's in that position. And it, it just it brings everything so well together. And, it, and, it, and every sort of scene in the film, because it's quite a short film, every scene importantly just adds an extra layer to everything. And all that you eventually build up this sort of dynamic of who everybody is and, and what their and what the purpose is in, in many ways. Oh, absolutely!
1: And I like the kind, I like the dynamic. It, it's so
0: relatable. Um, oh yeah, that's what just, I thought. Yeah, when I watched this as well, that you like, oh my god, the family dynamics just seemed oddly far too close to home at times. Yes,
1: absolutely. It's like even just like subtle little things, like <laughs> not even so much like the calf. Uh, like a father and son, uh, and the fact that they are like arguing outside. It's more the fact of that happens within the like the pretty much the minute they turn up to the
0: house oh.
1: they're outside and they're having a chat, and then it escalates
0: really quickly into like quite a heated debate. Aye, you and know then, that's then, not the first time they've had that argument, or that's not the first time they've came to blows over something like this. Yes, you know, you know this is, this is something that's been ongoing for months, even years that they're still in. That's what you got with every character, even though you only meet the character very quickly, you get a real sense of history very quickly about each character, and I thought that was really well done. Aye, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's what I kind of liked about it all. And even, like, and even, uh, oh, I can't remember what relationship was to the main guy, his sister, I think. Right, okay, yeah. Um, she had invited, uh, the brother. Yes. Who had, always, who had obviously been kind of like, to the side with yep. the family the black sheep of the family fa- yeah and the fact that like she had invited him but not told anyone you can see that kind of stuff happening as well and you're just like this is just classic like family traits it's, yeah it's, al- it's almost like the guy's almost written it almost from like his own real life experiences yeah I mean it's, it's hyper realised so, so it's like it's not it's, it's, it's realistic in a sense of some of the stuff you can imagine happening but maybe not quite at such a heightened level um, you know, maybe I sort of, maybe I'd done it on a slightly sort of more exaggerated scale than sort of maybe in, than real life, but the ideas were all definitely sort of you can imagine were based in some sort of reality. Oh, I definitely. Um, is, uh, you, when watching it, you could tell it had that feel about it, you know. Um, yeah, so I'd also say I one hundred percent agree with you. I think it is a, a television watch, not a cinematic watch. Um, mm. It's always a stage play. To be fair, you can always see that mm. on the stage. You, know, you can obviously see it's just a play. Um, yeah, it could, yeah. It could totally play like that. Um, and I think because of that, TV is a perfect sort of place for it to be on. Because um, that really gives it a sort of. And it, and it forces you to engage with it well in a, in a sort of more intimate way as well. Like I so said, I think maybe in a cinema that intimacy might be lost. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, this felt like. You know, it was almost like you are in their house and it felt much much more voyeuristic by watching it at home as well. It felt like you literally were just, you know, sort of almost spying on this this family.
1: I, I, you will know, just kind of like, almost like, you know, that's what, I, that's what I felt when the camera was always panning from room to room, oh. I felt like I was just in a,
0: a, like, I was just wandering through this house, Yeah, and it was just this family having an argument, and I was just always kind of navigating it. And you're almost like the family member that they don't want to acknowledge, or you're like, somehow you've got like a little drone or something you're using to like sort of just wander mm-hmm. around spying on people, um, so you said, yeah. I, I really dug it, I thought it was a really crackingly well done film. Um just such well written and just sort of well structured and just sort of as a as a film that brings so much stuff into it in such a short space of time and makes everything really believable. I thought it was a fantastic effort. Um I would give yeah. it seven and a half out of ten. What about yourself? <sighs> I
1: was actually I was gonna go
0: eight out of eight? ten. No, totally understand. Yeah. Only I didn't give it higher is because I felt like there is some elements to it I think it will not be for everyone because it's, it's it is quite a niche indie film. Um, yes. And it might not, and the fact there's a lack of sort of maybe maybe a, a lack of proper resolution at the end of it will irritate quite a few people. Um, but personally, I didn't, I didn't mind that, but I think it's a definitely worthwhile watching. The guy, Big Wheatley, is just a really interesting director. He just does so much stuff and he, he's constantly working. And he wants to do it. You know, if, if you've seen Free Fire, Free Fire is an amazing movie, which again covers much the same idea as this, like taking so many different characters and giving them all an arc. And a really, but he does it all in one room. And it's, you guys all try to kill each other at the same time. Um, yeah. So if you try and find a watch, it's a great watch. Um, and it just, it, it, it just crafts these really interesting and believable characters. Some things are totally over the top. You go, I've never met anyone like that. But you ultimately believe instantly who they are. You, know, and, you and you buy into who they are very quickly. Oh, definitely. You do, like, you do start relating to a lot of the characters in it. And you do almost feel like they are a part of your family. Yeah because they are so, like, there's not, like, big actors and actresses in this, at least not in my opinion. Um, So that's what makes it very believable as well. Yeah, Yeah, no, totally. So definitely worth a watch. Like I said, it's on the iPlayer for the next year, so if you get a chance to watch it, definitely try and find it. It's it's 100% worth a watch. Um, Yeah, it's it's pretty short-paced as well. I think it's just over the 90-minute mark as well, so... It doesn't hang about right about 93 minutes, so it's definitely not it's definitely not a one that you just sitting there lingering on for a long time. It's, it's it's definitely worth definitely worth your time to get a chance to watch it. Um, but that is all the viewing for this week. Next it's week, short and sweet. Short, Well, yeah, we're still at the other we've done our usual. Um, but next week out we have to watch. We have the favourite, which is a new film from a Greek director whose name I can't pronounce, but is a very interesting director who did the Lobster and the Killing of a Sacred Deer. Um, I saw it last night, and I'll talk about it at length next week, because I have things to say about it, which um, are very interesting. Um, no. We also, so, also got to go and see Holmes and Watson, which I've heard nothing but horrendous things about, which oh, makes me, no. which makes me even more interested to go and see it, to be honest. Because once I know a film, if I know a film is utterly shit, then I am really interested to go and see a film that's utterly shit. Because I want to see how it goes off the rails so badly. I love the fact that you self-torture yourself with
1: oh. this kind of...
0: Yes. <laughs> no I told I mean if, if I hear a film's bad I'm like uh, like to me like something like Skyscraper right last year that was yeah. that was bad and it was just kind of and it just bored me a little bit But see something that was out like a few years ago something like I Frankenstein I don't know if you saw that one it was no. just fucking horrendous and I just and I felt like a hat, you know something so horrendous is that I feel even more compelled to go watch I'm like oh how did this happen what the fuck went on on set where, where the hell did this come from there's one out, I think maybe two years ago, The Snowman, the one with um, Michael Fassbender.
1: Yes,
0: yeah. That was just horrendous. I'm going, oh, I need to see how horrendous this is. Like, you know, what the fuck happened to make this film go like this? Who the hell lost control of this shit? So that always makes me interested to watch these kind of films. But um, maybe at Holmes and Watson, for all I know, maybe it'll be very funny, maybe it'll entertain me. I'm, I can only go and see it myself and judge from there what it's like. Um, and finally, next week, we've got Welcome to Marwin, which is a, sort it of looks like a very nice, sort of, um, well, not nice, but sort of touching. Drama regarding a guy with a, a sort of mental, a, a brain, a brain injury after he's been attacked, and he sort of got to deal with the world in a very different and sort of unique way. Um, starring, well, starring Steve Carell, so it looks very, looks a very interesting movie. I think
1: um, I was listening to another podcast, and they were just talking about. They weren't talking about them, They weren't reviewing the movie. Uh, they were merely talking about the fact that over in America, it get released. As part of like the kind like, of Christmas bumper of movies, oh right, and they couldn't and they couldn't
0: understand the fact that this movie get released then when it's pretty much essentially about a guy who gets attacked and pretty much brain damaged yeah. by a group of Nazis. You're like, Aye. that's not Christmas toned. No, at that's, all. that's not Christmas. No, <laughs> uh, but that's that's out this week, so when we'll you go to see that as well. So Barry, what's everybody way to find us? <laughs> yes, that, like, all the social medias
1: at Three Beers in a Movie. Yeah, so on Twitter. That's uh, Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. And if you want
0: to email Colin, you can do it at movie at gmail.com and Colin one day will answer some emails. Yes. And yeah. um, very, very soon we should, all three of us should get back to the Raven. We, we shall. We'll diff- we do our very best <laughs> to get back very, very soon. Um, I'm sure there's a big release coming out soon that we we'll all want to go and see what we we'll want to, to talk about. Um, but for it's this week, I've been Richard. You've been... Barry. And you've been listening to...